Hi, this is Chris. And this is John. And you're listening to the Nerdy Dadcast. It's been a spell, literally, figuratively, preferably. Several spells. Uh, since we uh, last recorded an episode. And, you know, I eventually, once, you know, normalcy returns in about six or seven years where, you know, we're not stuck at home um, and, you know, the world hopefully is still around, um, things might be a little bit easier to, to record. But, I mean, it's just my mind's been on everything else that's been happening. Um in the world today, and it's an unfortunate, uh, yet almost necessary place. I mean, I don't know how to otherwise word it. Yeah, I mean, time has been very wibbly wobbly to begin with. We're going through Corona, going through all that, um, time is very has gotten very weird. The schedule isn't quite what it used to be, and now, I mean, this last week we've seen a lot of um, the things just keep coming, and absolutely. Um, it is important and it's key and maybe this is the tipping point and I don't know. The um, the struggle that I have and, and just so that, you know, it doesn't sound like we're being around the bush. Um, in, in, in current events today, I mean, just a couple weeks ago, uh, we saw uh, a man, black man, murdered because he was accused of using a counterfeit $20 bill. And since then... It's been the impetus for um, a lot of protest and uh, that protest being an agent for change. I was actually just reading that in Minneapolis, where this took place, uh, the police board is now talking about rebuilding their, their own police force. Now, talk is one thing, actions another, but this isn't even a discussion prior to this. It's just, it's unfortunate that the world as it exists required this as the impetus that the years upon years of, of inaction of, you know, people who were, were guilty by simply the color of their skin, um, you know, and the constant, uh, you know, struggle that, that people have, have gone through is just, it, it blows my mind. I mean, I, I'm, I hate to say it. I'm almost thankful that my daughter doesn't quite understand. And I know it sounds horrible to say that, but I don't know how I would explain things to her. I mean, she sees her friends as her friends. There is absolutely like to, right. Like the world, unfortunately could learn a lot from kids. Yeah. And you know, and that's a really important thing. I mean, I am a white male. I was born. I basically I won the cosmic lottery mm-hmm. by become by being born a white male, and unfortunately, that gives me a lot of privilege just by being who I am. And that's not at all fair, and that's not at all how it should be. Now, my my son is very empathetic, and my son he sees you know he thinks all people should be able to do whatever they want to do. It doesn't shouldn't matter your color or your your gender or your sexual preference or any of these things. Everybody should be able to do what they want to do. And there shouldn't be oppression against anyone. So, I mean, it's been a really big discussion in, in our house. And I am one, you know, 
I am not an expert, but I am learning and trying to keep that conversation going. And I think the really important thing is to have these difficult, uncomfortable conversations that you don't want to have and make sure your kids know. I mean, we went into a conversation the other night and we sort of had to explain to him what happened. And, and yeah, it was, it was really intense. And then with that, you have to go back even farther and you have to sort of explain the oppressive systems that are making this happen, going back all the way to slavery and, and things that have happened over the course of history. And by the end of it, we were all pretty much in tears, but and now he's in a very sensitive spot where we're sort of giving him the right reading material and giving him looking into a lot of um, a lot of black authors, a lot of and just trying to do whatever we can to make sure he has a very full view so that he knows not only is he in a place of privilege, again, just by being winning the cosmic lottery and being born as a white male, but he can respect that spot and make sure that he tries to fight this the system that's there and make sure that everybody isn't you know get hit that turning point on the flip side i mean my 5 year old she she was there for the conversation and a lot of it bounced off of her but you see online a lot right now there's there's a lot of memes going around where you know it's never your ne- your kids are never too young to talk to this stuff about because they pick up these things very very early and so even with a 3 year old there are certain things that they're going to pick up and you have to make sure you're talking about it. So, so yeah, it's an absolutely a learning experience for, for myself and my wife, but something that we're really diving into because it is so important. The point that you, you raise about, you know, the kids being able to, to see and, and almost pick up on a lot. Um, it's, it's apparent with, with baby force, um, you know, and she is only three, but she does know that mommy and daddy are, are upset. Uh, we're concerned, we're anxious, we're stressed. Uh, and we do try to explain to her in terms that we think will make sense. Um, you know, like we'll have, we might have the news on and, or, um, you know, I was listening actually to, to CBC radio and, uh, they, you know, there's people screaming it's like, well, why daddy, why are, are people yelling and screaming? And I'm like, well, some very bad people hurt a man and now. Uh, everyone else is is angry about that, and again, I, I'm simplifying, but I want her to understand that what you know many and many people are doing is is standing up for for some basic human rights. I want that to yeah. be important to her. So, you know, I, I again, I, I'm I am couching my words with her, and it's not that I'm trying to protect. I'm simply trying to explain in a manner that she'd understand, and you know, going further you know, back as well to the winning of the cosmic lottery I, on my, uh, esports podcast, my Vancouver Titans podcast. I mean, it's how I described it. Like one of my co-hosts, uh, who was with me, Sam, he's Asian, he's male though. So for him, that roll of the dice, you know, didn't come up as, as fortuitous as it was for myself being a white male. And I don't think I ever understood what, you know, white privilege was. And I'm almost ashamed to admit it until the last few years. Like it it never really made sense. You know, like I, I remember, you know, first hearing the, the concept of black lives matter. I'm like, well, very much so. Like I did not discount that, but then I'm like, well, don't all. And you know, it's a matter of perspective. It's not that all lives don't matter. It's that all lives can only matter if black lives matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, an incomplete puzzle 
for, for lack of a, a better description. And, and I think, you know, having this perspective and, and this understanding start to change, I'm, I'm becoming more apparent of, you know, how things were so easy for myself, you know, growing up. And I, I want, if I'm, you know, able to change one to, but two, my daughter grew up in a, one, a world that, that isn't an issue. And if it is that she can speak up and, and, and stand up for those that, that need help. Um, you know, she's somewhat lucky that she's a white female, but I mean, there's other issues with her being female that I know she'll have to, to deal with growing up. And that's, that's again, back to my earlier point, it's so unfortunate. Like this, it's not like any of these issues are new. Like when we talk about, you know, the coronavirus, I mean, there's been pandemics before, but then we go through these significant long stretches of, you know, healthy time. Well, there's other issues, obviously, health-wise, but the issues that we're seeing, you know, people of, of color go through or, or women go through, there's never a minute where things are okay. And that's just wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I like I said, when I was in my little rant there, um, you know, I am in no means an expert and I am certainly learning all the time and I want to be able to learn as much, but it's a, it's a lot of doing my own reading and finding sort of checking, checking my own privilege, as we mentioned, and then trying to pass it on to the next generation because, you know, it's, this isn't something, it's nothing natural. I mean, I don't feel it, this the whole thing with racism. It's, it's taught. It's not natural. You don't, you're not born racist. So to make sure that my kids are very aware of that's that that's out there and not be blind to it. And also, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk of, you know, Oh, well, I don't see color of skin, which again is, is baloney because, you know, it's taking away an integral part of who the person is. So you can't mm -hmm. just, you can't just say that. And so it's been really interesting. I've seen a lot of, a lot of uh, discussion about it and, you know, I, I don't, I see there are a lot of sides and then this is a cause, honestly, that there's, you can say for a lot of causes, there's, you know, oh, well, this is one point of view and that's another point of view. This one really is just right and wrong though. There's a right way to look at it and there's a wrong way to look at it. And, and that's basically what it comes down to for us. And that's very much what my son thinks as well. I mean, he's very, very passionate about all of it. And so he's been quite upset about it as it's, as he learns more himself. And so, yeah, it's a big learning process and, we are just keeping the conversation open like we try to do with all difficult things because this one, you know, racism, sex, all of these difficult issues that parents don't normally want to talk about with their kids. It's so important and it starts at such an early age that you need to, the thoughts get in there right away. You need to be able mm -hmm. to have that, have that conversation. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I have a lot of worries as any parent would, but one of my, my, biggest worry is, is that something I say or something I do even inadvertently, you know, creates an opportunity for, for baby force to potentially repeat my own mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, you know, we, we, we've talked a little bit about the pandemic over the last few episodes and where I think I had mentioned on a, on a previous one where I was like, you know, I'm, I would be so upset if I was asymptomatic and through my action, let's say, you know, yourself were to, to get sick, I would be beside myself. I did not advertently go and, and intend for that to occur, but my action is what contributed to that. Well, this is, this is no different. And I think for me, it's, it's 
not speaking up. Um, you know, when I see, uh, you know, racism, sexism, I, there are, there are, there is to the point you'd raise, you know, with your, your son, there's just sort of this, this, there is a right way. I think I've been far too often ignorant or, you know, ostrich head in sand. And, you know, now I, I think in the, about doing that and what happens if that's what baby force picks up. She, she imitates what daddy does or what mommy does or doesn't do. Yeah. And that's all, and that's difficult. I mean, I had an experience not too long ago with a family member where we were out to dinner and the family member made a racist joke and we said, Hey, that's like, we spoke up said, Hey, that's not cool. Not funny. There's nothing good about that. And he very quickly reacted and said, Oh, well, I got it from so-and-so at work and he thought it was funny and that's his, his race. So I was like, no, no, sorry, that's wrong. So that's like one example where I think I can think of that I called it out right away and said, no, that's not okay. But now with all of this happening, it sort of, it makes it much more obvious that this needs to be the norm and not just the, the rare thing where you once in a while take that risk and say, no, you shouldn't have said that. Cause a lot of times you let it go by and that's, again, that's our privilege and that should not be a thing. So I'm, I'm trying to be better for my children and trying to, and also having them be better because they are better naturally makes mm-hmm. me hope that there's going to be, you know, better in the future because there is a generation that hopefully can stop this uh, completely, completely ridiculous history. Yeah. And I, you know, I was just by happenstance rewatching um, this uh children's group. I can't remember who the politician was, but where the kids were trying to drive this narrative of um, social support of some sort. And I'll be honest, I, I can't remember the, the specific details, but the politician's like, well, no, you kids don't know what it's like. Well, the problem is that's actually the good thing. They don't. They, they to them, this is what is right. It's very simple. Like it, It's like basic mathematics. There is no trigonometry involved. It is so simple that they're like X problem plus Y solution equals no problem. And while I won't, you know, negate the fact that some change is hard, that should never be the reason why the change doesn't occur. And to take, to take on to your example there, it's actually easier than mathematics because I've been teaching mathematics to my five-year-old lately and basic mathematics. And I mean, something like this, she gets right away where she knows this is how it should be. This is right. This is, it makes no sense. Now, mm-hmm. teaching her six plus five, sometimes that's a little bit harder to get into her head. So um, so yeah, it's, it's basic human nature. It shouldn't, it's so easy and there really needs to be change and... And I'm hoping that keeping that conversation going and keeping them informed and not blind to the subject and not will help in the future, raise a better generation of children. Yeah. And that, that is, I mean, really what it comes down to the hope is that, you know, our, the generation we're helping raise is the impetus for change. Um, I'm not naive to think that that's going to happen, but I don't, also believe that it can't it's just a matter of you know those of us who are currently getting in the way you know taking that step back understanding the access to privilege we've had the mistakes that we've continued to make and and i mean i i I know it's such a small small example 
But that earlier you know point that I raised where when I first started hearing the term Black Lives Matter, I, I didn't understand it. I struggled. I just did not equate. It required me to somehow take that step back. And, you know, I, I will actually ref, sort of refer to something I saw someone share on Facebook. Um, it was a, a, a cartoon style drawing where someone is hosing down their house while another house is on fire. The person's like, well, you know, you should water down that house. Oh, no, no, all houses matter. And I'm going to, I got this one under control. And it's like, well, should you not be, you know, hosing? Well, no, if I do that, then mine might catch on fire. Like, you know, that's when I, I won't say that was the impetus, but then, you know, breaking it down another way is what helped me sort of better understand. Like, and now I look back, it's like, wow, I can't believe I couldn't grasp this concept so, so much sooner. And that's a really hopeful thing as well. I mean, with a with the whole amount of information that's out there right now, along your lines, I saw another one earlier today that was sort of, uh, it was somebody holding a save the rainforest sign. Now, when you see a save the rainforest sign, nobody comes along and says, no, you need to save all forests. It's, you know, you recognize that the rainforests are important and you need to <laughs> save them and they're all part of the global system. So it's the same thing here. You know, it's not, it's, it's not that not all forests are important. All forests are important, but the rainforest needs your attention right now. So, yeah. I thought that was another good one. And hopefully those kind of messages out there get more people that don't get the concept in the first place and say, oh, okay, now I, I understand that a little bit. And hopefully it can be a, sort of a mass education thing because that's it's, it's integral. Yeah. And the, the sort of last point that I, I wanted to to talk to, and you had sort of, uh, sort of broached the subject, um, is where someone will, you know, well, like, you know, I'm not racist. I have, you know, friends this or friends that. Like the problem is, is when you say I am not, on anything. Right? Like, I am not. Well, that, one, that may not have been actually the point at all, but you've you've made it about you, which that's not what any of this is. Uh, but even if that was about you, you know, that should be a pretty solid gut check, right? Like, I, I one of the uh, sort of gaming uh, groups that I'm, I'm part of. Someone had said like, uh, you know, the protesting that we're seeing in the United States, um, where there are, um, I'm going to use the term right. I don't know how to otherwise describe it. You know, people are smashing windows, looting things of the sort. And they're like, Oh, you know, the protesters are, 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 you know, doing a disservice to themselves. But yet if I go and I share that opinion, people call me a racist. Well, see, the thing is, is, you know, the defense to go and say, well, I am not, that's not what this is about. Why is that happening? You know, one, you know, there will, where there are bad actors, they will act bad. But the problem is that at the end of the day, windows, they can be put back together. Stolen goods can be fixed. People dying. That's finite. And if someone you know, bringing attention to an issue um, be, is what gets enough people to finally say, so no, you know what, this, this needs to change. Then quite frankly, in the grand scheme of things, there is a greater good that will come out of that. Um, and, you know, being a student of history, and I know I'm not the first one to go and bring this up, for those in the United States that were to say, well, we're a, we're a country that, you know, needs to stand behind law and order. You're a country that came to be because people in Boston, Massachusetts 
got so pissed off that they decided that they were going to go and take it to the British. I mean, I've simplified this down to a far to a uh, you know, simplistic degree, but the point is, is that the nation itself was built upon change. There's no reason why this isn't what allows the United States to somehow become, you know, what it strives to be the bastion of the free world. And I, again, I'm not trying to single out the United States here in Canada. We've got huge issues as well. In fact, in being a student of history, I can speak to the number of times where if you went through a U.S. history and you saw, um, I'll use, you know, World War II, the internment of, of, of Japanese nationals in the United States, it was not good in Canada. It was not good. And then some, we went and turned the Japanese. We took all their property. We forfeited. We, we like, again, I mean, this is a podcast on its own, but the point being is that I am not naive to think that us as Canadians don't have a long way to go as well. And maybe this is the impetus that we're seeing, you know, south of the border, what helps us change. We can hope. Yeah. Well, I don't want to also uh, disregard the fact that the pandemic is happening and this should also, you know, raise uh, some, some concern, not for people protesting, but people are willing to risk their lives to protest. That's how passionate um, people have been. Um, we're maybe somewhat fortunate here in the West Coast uh, where we have been able to double our bubble and um, we can go get our haircut again. I don't know if you've gotten your haircut yet, but I haven't. I'm uh, I'm okay with the fact that I kind of look like Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Um, I'm you not are as fantastic as him. Well, <laughs> you know, people in the podcast can't see it, but I have like the, my hair has gone like white on the sides and then what used to be dark brown hair on the top while thin is somehow gone kind of black pigment. So it's really noticeable. When I, when I go out to my parents' place, like, oh my goodness, Chris, I can't believe your hair is, you know, so thin on the top and so white. It's like, oh, thanks mom. Yeah. Appreciate pointing that out. Thanks for the genetics and all. I have these gnarly sideburns. If I let my sideburns come out, then they are very gnarly and they puff out sort of like a dark brown kind of style just on the sideburns. And they're like straight gray as well. So it's, it's kind of cool and I can handle, I can handle it for a week or so. And then I'm like, no, I have to do something with that. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I have no problem with gray hair. It's all good. We've earned it. But at the same time, yeah, it's still not quite something I'm used to. Yeah. Well, no. And that's like, I, it's no issue with the gray. It's just, I've kept, kept my hair short for, a long time. Like I, in high school, I had a lot more hair on my head. And then at some point in time, I decided I'm going to keep it nice and short. And that's sort of the way it's been. So this has been the longest stretch of time since I don't know how long where I've not gotten a haircut. And, uh, you know, it's to the point where my daughter, you know, points out to her mom that, you know, why has daddy got white hair on the side of his head? Why does daddy's hair look like it's angel wings? What's with the beard down to his belly button? Yeah, well, I haven't done that. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, you saw me actually in, in 2011 when I grew my beard for the entire playoff run for the Vancouver Canucks. It was still mm-hmm. like, you know, tight and close to the face. It didn't get any of that body. But the uh, the 
pandemic though is still ongoing. There are still obviously, um, you know, struggles. My, my daughter, for instance, she on a daily basis says, I miss my friends. Can I go see my friends? Um, and she, I mean, we've, we've sort of allowed her to go and, and play socially distant wise with, um, two friends where we went to a park and they just ran around. Okay. Maybe they got within a meter of each other, but it's, it's amazing to see how she lights up. And then just today, my wife took her to, uh, the playground for the very first time in months. I mean, the last time she would have been on a playground was when, uh, we happened to, to be in England and again, I was like, my wife's like, oh yeah, she just, it's an hour on the swing. It's all she wanted to do. Normally it's like 15 minutes. Okay. And I want to do something. No, she wanted it to be on that swing and she wasn't leaving. In fact, if I wasn't entirely sure that my daughter had come home, I know where to find her. She's probably still on the swing. And I don't know if, if you're able to, to get out the, the kids at all, but it's definitely a nice thing to see them do is to get out and play kids at play is magical. Yeah. Um, our experience is still fairly limited. I mean, personally, I went out for my first big adventure today. First time I'd really gotten, I went out to visit my sister in, in Surrey, the opposite of, yeah. So anyways, it was a big expedition and, um, I made it back alive and that's, that's good. But at the same time, so far we've taken the kids out together. We've taken them out, but, uh, and I've taken each of them out solo, just me and them, but we, I haven't done the whole me and the kids yet. So we're, we're getting, we're getting there and, um, things are normalizing a little bit, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely that whole aspect of play. I don't think the playgrounds in our area are, are open yet. Mm. And so it, that's not really an option. Uh, but taking them down to the beach, taking them down just to play in the sand when there's not yeah. many people around is sort of the key thing. So we're going to wait for the next rain, and then we're going to go down and play, play at the beach in the rain, which uh, is going to be great. Yeah. I mean, if you're lucky, you might see, I think there's been humpback as well as gray whales uh, in Burrard yeah. and Latin that. So that'd be kind of cool. I know... Um, we, we were watching the news and, uh, there was, uh, I think it was a humpback swimming through Burrard Inlet and, uh, baby four sees it. She's like, Oh, we, I want to see this. Let's go. Like, well, we can, and it's not like you just order up the whale and it shows up, but it would just be neat seeing, you know, uh, you know, whatever it would be in the wild and it's just nature. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like, it seems, I don't know, maybe it's just I've been inside so long, but it seems like nature has really taken back some of, some of the world. Mm-hmm. The birds in our area are so much louder and so much more vibrant. I was standing on my patio the other day and a hummingbird flew up right in front of me and just like hovered there and looked at me for two or three seconds. And so the hummingbird and I just sort of locked gazes and then it flew away. Yeah. And I've never had that experience before. So it was sort of, it's been very, it's been very Hopefully there's some good that comes out of this too. Cause yeah, it's been a long thing. Yeah. There's a hummingbird. I don't know if it's the same one, but it terrorizes our cat. It comes down like our cat can hear. It doesn't matter where the hummingbird is on the balcony, but it waits for the cat to get to the, the door or the screen. And then it comes down to like eye level with the cat and like, you know, bounces around while the cat proceeds to like, you know, have a complete freak out because there's a hummingbird and that's it, daily, but, but yeah. It did appear to have some cat ferns beak and it did have a little bit of a crazed glare when we, when our eyes met. So it could have been the same one. Who knows? 
Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's like, you know, it's just, I can't say I've ever seen, like we, we get hummingbirds here, but not one that comes down and interacts with the cat. And it's like a daily thing. It's like they're friends, except the cat doesn't realize that and just wants to get out anyhow. <laughs> oh, those are, those are simple times. How about we uh, get away from the serious, get away from mm-hmm. current events, and bring ourselves a little more fantasy-like, and uh, let's let's get a little bit nerdy. I have a, a confession. Uh, our our last episode, you were talking a little bit about uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, and, and since then, I may have purchased something called the D&D Player's Handbook. And I don't know what I thought I was getting myself into. And I, I'm not going to suggest I'm actually into it yet. But my, oh my, did I not understand everything that goes into simply creating your very first character. Like, I'm still at that stage. Like, I'm at the stage where I have an idea of what I want. I've already sort of created somewhat of a backstory um, for those that happen to be Canadian, if I were to tell you my character's name, you'd probably be able to identify who it might be from and what it might be from and who it might be. be. But the the point is, is that there's like, I just simply thought, oh, I'm just going to go. I create a character and off I go and I find people and we go and play. No, there's, there's like so much that goes into it. And, you know, I thought, you know, be that you are, you know, the professional uh, Dungeons and Dragons player, having, you know, not only, not only played yourself, but are currently raising your son to, to, to get into the, the RPGs as well. I I thought you could maybe teach me. Oh, Sage one. I can see what I can do. I, I don't know. Like I'm just really getting back into the system myself. I mean, from my history, personally, I remember being in the neighborhood being like seven or eight and having my buddy's older brother with basic D&D back in the 80s, which was very simple. You had humans and dwarves and elves and you could be a thief or a mage or a fighter. And there weren't any subclasses and there weren't all these races. So, I mean, now it's much more intense. If you want to be a cat person, you can be a cat person. If you want to be a dragonborn, you can be a dragonborn. So all of these things I'm learning as well. And really sort of, I think it started a little bit last, last year or so. I mean, when I was growing up, I played some when I was a kid, I played some when I was a teen, I used to have a dice bag. I used to have like several different sets of dice. And then some point, I don't know. I don't know when exactly. I lost that and those were gone. So a year and a half ago or so, I got like a mail order dice service. It was like seven bucks a month and they sent you a new set of dice every month. And so my bag just started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's really hard to turn off pretty dice arriving in your mailbox every month. So that was sort of where my current fixation with it came. But, but yeah, it's, I can, I can do what I can. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, See, and we talked about this sort of that previous. Like for me, I just didn't have friends. Like I need, I, I'm, I'm a follower. I need that enabler, and I never really had someone. Or if I did, it wasn't someone that I knew um, was into it. Uh, so, long story short, we were talking about in the last episode. One of the the gaming communities I'm part of, a uh, number of people were talking about. Oh, so and so is the best DM. Oh yeah, we, you know, we're playing. Like, you know what? I, I'm kind of curious, and I'm like, is this something I could? 
And I defined it. Is this something I could sort of easily get into in a manner of speaking to see if I would in fact enjoy? And they're like, oh yeah, yes, 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 yes. And so they're like, go to dndbeyond.com. Uh, so that's what I did. And I go to dndbeyond.com and I'm like, okay, so what's page? Lots of stuff. And I'm like, oh, new player guide. Great. Right at the top of the page, it's Unleash Your Imagination. I'm like, I can do that, I think. And it's Dungeons & Dragons as a cooperative storytelling game that harnesses your imagination and invites you to explore a fantastic world of adventure where heroes battle monsters, find treasures, and overcome epic quests. This page contains the essentials you need to start your D&D journey. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. And then I start getting into things. It's like how to play. It's like, oh, you need a DM. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And oh, players describe their actions. And it's like, okay, so I have to describe what I'm going to go and do. And so I'm like, I, I stop here. Because like, you know me, I'm a busy guy. And I go over to, uh, to YouTube and I start watching uh, some videos and, and the like. And like, I'm... Man, this is deep stuff. Like this person describes what they're doing. This other person's like, oh no, no, but while they're doing this, I'm doing this. And this other person's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sit here. And then the DM says, okay, rolls dice. Okay. This gives guidance, blah, blah, blah. Okay. This person's alive again. And like, I'm like, how did this all go? Like, I didn't even know that person was dead. Anyhow. So a, a good thing. And I think it's interesting because I think right now is really seems to be a renaissance for it. And I think I'm, it's happened sort of before before COVID, but I think COVID's definitely brought it out as well because suddenly now there's all sorts of online forums and there's all sorts of online games and you can watch D&D on Twitch and you can watch D&D on all these different services and podcasts. I mean, there's some really great D&D podcasts where they're just having their adventures. There's a great local one that I kind of got into for quite a while and listened to their first 70 episodes, I think. So they're way ahead of us. But uh, adventure at EXE, and they were hilarious, and I loved the adventure. And I sort of started to think, hey, maybe I should get back into that and do that again. And then, yeah, I sort of my my son is very creative, as I think we've mentioned before, and so I threw him onto the online D and D, and he at first was entirely over his head, and then suddenly he was talking about you know dirty twenties, and I'm going to take I'm going to be a Tabaxi Ranger next time, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and in an eight-year-old voice and not my voice, but the same kind of concept. So suddenly I was like, oh, you know, maybe I should do that again. So I have also recently, and I tried to recruit you, but you wouldn't come in, which is cool. But I, I recently jumped onto a local um, a local online campaign. And even then I found, and I've played before, and I found I was like, I was over my head. It wasn't, I expected it to be a big beginner campaign, but it was actually joining a campaign in process, in progress. So I thought, okay, I'll be level one and I'll just learn my stuff and go slowly. But I came in and I had to be level seven right away. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of difference between level one and level seven. So I have to learn very quickly. Well, it's it, so you do raise a good point. You would ask me if I wanted, like, no, no, I need, you know, I'm not ready yet. This is, this looks like a really deep swimming pool and I'm not entirely sure I'm, I'm ready to dive into the deep end or if people don't realize I can't swim yet. Like I've only just been told there's water there and I, I you know, the last thing I need is to roll the dice to determine whether or not I drown. So I'm like, well, let's pump the brakes. Um, and I'm now having you hear you describe this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm happy. I chose to maybe pump the brakes. <laughs> I'm going to guess you probably are because, like I said, I have experience and I had to jump in and it was still – but at the same time, you know, there's it's there's six other people in the game and that's, with that, it brings all sorts of personalities. There are people that are quiet and don't say anything and just listen and occasionally type something in or there's us that are kind of louder and uh, 
So in this campaign, I'm a dragonborn sorcerer. Ah, and okay. so I have to learn about magic and spells and all this. And basically it came down to, we went for a paint night, a, f- a figurine painting night at a local game shop. And so we, we went in just a date night, myself and my wife, long before this COVID thing happened, when you were still, when there still was an outside world and you were allowed to go to it. Um, it's, no, it's, there's, it's there's paint. Never been an outside world. I don't think so. No, but anyways, we we started getting into painting, and the painting was really fun. So then, once once my son was into it, we did family paint days where my wife would paint, and I would paint, and my son would paint, and my daughter painted as well. And so, one of the ones that I painted was a uh, was this dragonborn sorcerer. So then he told me that I had to be that character. So that's why I've I've taken on the role of a dra- half dragon, half man. <laughs> the um, so I. I... I've decided that I was going to start with a human paladin. Um, yep. The the paladin part. So this is this is more a legacy of how I played like RPG computer games. Is that there's a paladin choice. That's the hero class I always enjoy playing. Uh, in Diablo, a paladin. World of Warcraft, paladin. Like it's you know that type of the class. The the humans part um, are part of it. Uh, generally, it's just I find human characters are balanced. I mean, I. I in most games, it's it's they're they're jack of all trades, master of not anything in particular, and I find that that allows me to then sort of experience like, oh, is this what I kind of want to do? Um, and then I, you know, might iterate from there. But uh, as I'm trying to figure this out, I go to YouTube because, like, where else would I go? And I found the crap guide to D and D by uh, someone by the name of Joe Cat. And I don't know if you've ever seen these these videos. I haven't. Um, but it's they're animated videos. There's a series of them. And the way he he describes every character is they're all awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be a paladin now. Now I I, I wanted to be uh uh I think it was a bard was one that I wanted to be. Yeah, I wanted to be a bard because the bard does everything and you know gets the love. Um <laughs> although he didn't quite describe, you know, it like that. But uh, no, I mean, when it comes down to, you know, creating this character, I've got this human paladin I've decided. Uh, his name is Relic. He's gruff. And uh, and that's as far as I've gotten. Uh, when I was trying to fill out my, my character sheet, I run into a problem because I'm like, well, do I just go and I start assigning numbers? I talk to someone. They're like, oh, heck, to the no. You got to talk to your DM. I'm like, I don't got a DM. They're like, oh, well, then. Uh, you roll the dice this way, blah, 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 and tell your DM, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, and then I went to watch uh, the other YouTube series was Critical Role. Yes. And I guess, I mean, I, I they have like uh, maybe a bunch of campaigns, but like the current campaign that they're on was one that I just started watching the YouTube video of. And that's where I got thrown for a loop. I'm like, why is this person already dead? I don't quite get it. Why are they bringing them back? Oh, I see. This is like, you know, how many ever days, nights, years, whatever, in this particular campaign. Got it. Two hours later, I was so confused. So, yeah, in the basics, you need you need a DM and you need somebody who's willing to take that role. And it's not an easy role. I've been tempted to do it. And I have, I've been running a lesser campaign for my family. So we've been doing one called Sidekick Quests where... Each of the kids is a sidekick to a great figure, a knight, a paladin, a, a wizard. And so all the adventurers go off to have their adventures, and you're the kids left at home to find your own adventures. 
So it's been it's been fun. So that one, my wife, my son, and my five year old are playing, and they're having a great time. And we'll probably do another session tomorrow. So that's been it's been good. But a full on D and D adventure, and especially for a DM, you need it's it's funny these days. It's almost like you need training. There needs to be a course somewhere. And I'm sure I haven't looked, but I'm sure there are courses somewhere on how to be a DM because there's mm-hmm. a lot of rules you need to know. There's a lot of things you need to know. And like you say, you know. One person's doing this, one person's doing this, and you have to know all the tables that make this happen and what happens if you roll. And so in the campaign that we were playing yesterday, there, there was constant rollings of the of 1D 10,000, a 10,000-sided dice, which, of course, is a computer-generated thing. There isn't actually a 10,000-sided dice that you can buy cheaply. There might be on Amazon. I've seen some pretty funky dice. But somebody has made a table of, you know, 10,000 different things that could happen if you roll that dice. So... So yeah, it's like all these different things. And so I personally am very, like, I have the aspirations to maybe do it at some point, but I'm also, it's also very um, scary. It's it's freaking scary. So those so who can are great. How, how, how is there a D10,000? It's just all, cause? just cause. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's a, we're playing on discord. It's a discord bot and you can have the bot ra- roll a 10,000 10, sided die and um, and yeah, but like I say, somebody has made a table for that ten thousand sided die where there's ten thousand different things that could happen. So, so yeah, that's that's a commitment on its own. I mean, I can't imagine how long it would take to make ten thousand different things. I don't have that patience or that concentration span. So, yeah, yeah glad that someone did it before you. But holy smokes, here I am getting con- like I was trying to understand like the different polyhedral dice. Like I actually have a dice set now. I bought it. Just because I'm like, well, I'm getting into this and eat dice, and sure, I could have rolled on the computer, but yeah, it was it was more like, I you know, hard you know, cold hard die in my hands, probably unbalanced as heck and you know, loaded, but whatever. Point being, I have them. You're a paladin. Um, yeah, and and uh, and then there's like there's a d20 and there's a, like I think a d12 and a ten, four, I think it's like, six, eight, ten, twelve, and then twenty. 20. Okay. Yeah. But then there's also weird ones now. So again, this is the thing that's changed since I was a kid. Cause like a friend of mine, he's got like a D three and a D five and all these things that aren't perfect shapes. And they come up in really weird looking and they just seem wrong. Sided die. Well, the sides are kind of like the kind of spherical and it'll only stop on three different places. It's weird. Mm, I, I don't, okay. it makes me feel icky. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I won't claim to to know what makes what, but yeah. no. So yeah, oh. you're on the right track. D and D Beyond seems to be pretty good. I have certainly d- d- dove in there, and that's where I made my son's character and now my own character. Um, I'm suddenly tempted to unlock more and more of it. It's like, okay, no, I should pay the thirty five dollars and get this guide, and I should pay the other thirty five dollars and get that guide unlocked. And so there's a lot of stuff there. I also, you know, a couple of years back, there was a sale on Amazon and my wife got me the DMs guide and the player's guide and the monster manual. So I have those three hard copies of books in my mm-hmm. hands, but I'd never actually played this edition. It, you know, current edition is 5E. So that's uh, that's something I hadn't done before. And even now I, I, I'm learning very quickly because I need to learn very quickly. So the uh, well, I do have, as I said, I do have the player's handbook, and I am slowly, you know, flipping through, trying to, you know, pick things up. It's it's more, uh, I think, going to be a, a reference guide than anything. <sighs> so, 
any uh, sage words of wisdom for a, a D&D newbie like me? Basically, you can't screw it up. You know, if you have a DM, any DM is going to is going to lead you through it and hopefully get you in there. Because, I mean, really, it's about enjoying the game and enjoying your imagination and what comes from it. So, so yeah, it's it's great. And, I, I mean, I enjoy it. It's also fun to watch the kids do it. I mean, my like I say, it really brought up my my son's self-esteem and said where he was very nervous the first adventure. By the end, he was yelling, I'm doing this. I'm going to chop with my sword. He was totally into it. So watching that, and especially in this time where we can't, the world isn't normal. We can't leave the house. And this is a good way to pass some time and mm -hmm. get some social interaction. And yeah, you learn from it. So, so yeah, just keep going and watch, watch YouTube and listen to podcasts and go from there. Yeah. The, uh, well, as I say, YouTube, I've started, you know, getting to critical roles, probably a little more advanced than what I wanted to, although they have a, a series called the hand bookers helper, which is a play on hamburgers helper. It took me a moment to catch that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I, it's a matter of, I'm going to continue doing that finding. And this is where I'm, I'm trying to find a group of friends or like mutuals where there's sort of this understanding that one, I'm new, be gentle and to, uh, please forgive me when I do stupid things. Cause I don't know they're stupid until you tell me they are. I, it's like uh, the first time I went uh, gambling in a casino, I sit down at a blackjack table and like after a couple of hands, you know, it's like six seats there or whatever. And four of these people, they up and they're outie Cause I'm, I'm doing crazy things in the anchor seat or wherever the heck it is. I was sitting that I didn't know had power. Right. So one thing I might recommend is um, our local game store, Rain City Games, has what they call one-shot nights where they you just go in and you're in for three hours and you run a one-time adventure. And I mean, that kind of commitment sort of, you can go in, you can get a feel for it, you can see what you like, what you don't. And then, you know, if you want to carry on, you do. And if you don't, you've had that little, little bite of it. So I think that's mm -hmm. a really good way to sort of get in there. And right now that's all online as well. So that's kind of easy to just sit down one evening in your, in your chair. Like you are right now only play D and D instead of talking to me. No, but see, the thing is I don't know and I'm shy and I'll just yeah. be that guy. And so that's why I need sort of the mutuals part. Yeah. You can be the quiet guy in the corner of the room. There is yeah. no corner of the room because we're all virtual, but the, yeah. Corner of the internet. Corner, yeah. that dark corner of the internet. Yeah. There's only one of them and I'll be sitting right there. <laughs> Ah, uh, so here we are at the end of another episode, one in which we are still living in a world of, of separation. Uh, it is crazy. And, and hopefully when we publish another episode, we'll have seen some tangible change take place. Um, and hopefully that change is, is for the better. But any, any final words of, of wisdom that you want to share to all those tuning in? <laughs> you know, I just want to, we're all, yeah, there, there's no space for this. This is ridiculous. And I'm hoping that this is an end and maybe the human race will turn and we can get rid of racism and just realize people are equal. And that's going to be the best way for this whole world to move forward, which is a little deep and a little intense for our podcast. But at the same time, it's entirely true. I can't say anything any better than that. So I'll leave everyone with those uh, sage words of wisdom. Um, I will just uh, remind you if you've reached this point, if you want to 
subscribe to hear more of what it is we have to say. The easiest way to go about doing that is clicking the subscribe app in or subscribe button in any podcast app that you happen to be listening to this in. You can find us at uh, nerdydadcast.com or on Twitter at nerdydadcast, Facebook, Facebook.com slash nerdydadcast. And then if for some reason uh, you are so inspired to leave us a review, you can do so again through most podcast applications, whether it be the Apple Podcast Store or CastBox or whomever. But uh, if you go to podchaser.com slash nerdydadcast, you can actually leave not only a podcast review there, but an episode review. So one episode's better than the other. It is one of the greatest ways to, to go about doing that. So on behalf of John, myself, Chris, I'm going to sign off this episode as we normally do by asking you to stay nerdy, my friends. Mm-hmm.